we all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com slash gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold let's talk finance wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot yahoo finance does just that it consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis making it easier to manage your investments Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Well, it was another volatile day in the U.S. stock market today with the Dow swinging from positive to negative to positive to finally closing negative, but well off the lows and the highs of the day. You know, the Nasdaq was only down about 15, the Dow down about 12 points. The real action was in the currency markets. The dollar got clobbered today. A new, uh, I think, four-month low in the euro, two-year low in the yen. The Swiss franc was probably the strongest currency on the day the dollar index actually traded in the 95 handle before recovering slightly back up above 96 gold several times flirted with the 1200 again couldn't quite make it there i think the highest i saw it was 1198 it did touch 1200 yesterday the gold stocks though got hammered they were down four percent today i guess not being able to bust through 1200 caused a lot of people to sell gold stocks even though there was very little selling in gold itself, I think it was only down 60 cents on the day, and the high of the day might have been up around $8. But what I really want to use today's podcast to discuss is my appearance on Futures Now on CNBC. Now, if you didn't happen to catch me on CNBC.com, of course, I wasn't actually on CNBC television, although they did promote my CNBC.com appearance on their actual network, but they didn't actually let me on the actual network. I was only on their website. And I I seem to have a hard time these days getting invited on actual CNBC. I was on once in the last couple of years, other than the time I was on with Rick Santelli, which has been over a year since I've been on with him. But I was on one time, I think, in the last year, year and a half on television. I'm, I'm invited on this show, Futures Now, 
where they like to make fun of me, but they like to have me on because I'm good for their ratings online. They know that I have people that follow me, so if they have me on uh, their website, they'll get some traffic. Now, I think I'm probably good for ratings on television, uh, but they don't care about that. I guess they have their own agenda. But, you know, I still get on Fox Business once in a while, although maybe it's because I have a friend there. I mean, I'm going to be on tomorrow with Liz Clayman on Fox Business at 3 o'clock. But, you know, I, I know Liz from high school, so maybe that's why I can get on over there. I need to have a connection to get on uh, cable television in the United States, at least a, a financial network. Although I did, do, I did do CNBC Asia a few days ago. Uh, but anyway, I did this CNBC.com, and if you didn't see it, we're going to have the YouTube video. Maybe it's going to be up by the time you listen to this podcast, and if not, it'll be up shortly thereafter. But it's going to be there on the YouTube channel. So make sure and watch the entire uh, you know, 12-minute uh, interview that I did on CNBC.com, Futures Now. But I'm going to describe what happened right now so you know and if you haven't seen too go back and look at the last several i've been going back and forth with this guy scott nations who constantly wants to remind everybody how wrong i am about everything but in any event i figured okay you know they got to admit that i was right about a few things because when i was on their show the day after the rate hike but also several times before the rate hike i basically was saying look you know, I don't think the Fed can raise rates because if they do, it's going to push the economy into recession. They're going to cause a bear market in stocks. They're basically going to prick the bubble. And, and so I don't think the Fed wants to do this because it'll put them in a real difficult position. So I don't think the Fed is going to raise rates because if they do raise rates, you know, all hell's going to break loose. And now they're going to have to reverse the rate cut and they're going to look ridiculous. They're going to lose credibility. That's what I was saying all year. And up until December, I was right. When I came on that show early in 2015, mid-2015, everybody thought, oh, they're going to raise rates in June. Oh, they're going to raise rates in September. They never did. They never did. They finally raised rates in December. Okay, now look at what's happened. I mean, the stock market, it's been a bloodbath since the Fed raised rates. Look at what's happening in the financials. They've lost half their value. Uh, Look at gold. Gold's gone up. I, you know, I said if the Fed raised rates, gold would go up. It went up from 1050 an ounce the day after they raised rates to 1200. I said that if the Fed raised rates, the dollar would go down, and it's at you know a, a four-month low. Gold's at a seven-month high. Dollar going down, gold going up, stocks getting crushed. That's exactly what I said. So I figure, okay, I'm going to come on this show, and you know they're going to have to at least acknowledge, hey, you, you know you got something right. You know, good job, good call. Not that many people got that one right. What do you think now, right? You would think that, but then you would be wrong. They actually tried to pretend that I still didn't get anything right. In fact, when the host, when she was reading the script to introduce me, she's like, up next or coming up, it's Peter Schiff. And Peter Schiff claims he got everything right. So instead of saying that I got everything right, and again, I didn't even say I got everything right. I got a lot of stuff right. Nobody gets everything right, right? But they want to make me sound like I'm just being boastful and I'm and I didn't even get it right. Because if they say Peter Schiff says he got everything right, they're not saying I got anything right. They're just saying that I claim I got everything right, which implies that they disagree. 
Because if they thought I got a bunch of stuff right, they would say, Peter Schiff gets it right. Peter Schiff got the dollar right. Peter Schiff got gold right. Peter Schiff got uh, the stock market right. Peter Schiff got the consequences of raising interest rates right. They would just say that. They wouldn't say Peter Schiff claims that he got it right unless they want to imply that I really didn't get it right. That here I am just boasting about how much I got it right, but they're not going to agree with me. They're not going to validate it. So whenever you do that, you're not really saying that somebody got it right. And in fact, they wrote up an article about the interview and the caption is Peter Schiff says he got everything right. Now, I didn't even say that in the interview. I don't say I got everything right because that sounds like you're just, you know, you know, crazy. Who gets everything right? Right. So they're trying to make it sound like I'm just this boastful guy that's just, you know, trying to claim that he got everything right. I didn't even say that. Yet somehow that's the quote on the top of the article. Peter Schiff says he got everything right. During the interview, I, you know, they, you go, go watch the thing. You can see what's actually taking place. But then by the time they bring on Scott Nations, right, he's there to criticize me. Oh, I forgot. In the beginning, when the, the host says, we're going to bring Peter Schiff on, he says he got everything right. Scott Nations says, well, we'll see. I don't know if Peter Schiff got anything right. So <laughs> he wants to say that he's not even sure I got anything right, even though all the forecasts I made when I was on that show, certainly the day after rates were increased, I got all those forecasts right, and Scott Nation got everything wrong. But instead, Scott Nation wants to continue to pretend that he's, he was right and that I was wrong. So when he came on, the first thing these guys do is they just jump all over me and say, Peter, Peter, you were wrong. You said it was impossible for the Fed to raise rates, and they raised rates. So you were wrong. I mean, what kind of nonsense is that? I mean, I'm not an idiot. I never said it was impossible for the Fed to raise rates. I mean, the Fed could do whatever they want. They could raise rates. I mean, clearly it's not impossible. And in fact, in every interview that I've ever done, they're all online. Just check them out. If someone said, Peter, are you saying it's impossible the Fed would raise rates? I would say, no, of course not. They could raise rates. I don't think it's probable. I think the odds are that they won't. But clearly they could if they wanted to. They could raise rates. It's not physically impossible for them to do it. I just didn't think they would because I didn't think they would be that stupid. Because what I did say was it's impossible for the Fed to raise rates and not prick the bubble. It's impossible for the Fed to raise rates and not cause a bear market in stocks. It's impossible for the Fed not to raise rates without creating a recession. So I said, if the Fed doesn't care if it creates a recession, if it doesn't care about a bear market, well, then it can raise rates. Or maybe if it's so dumb that it doesn't even realize that raising rates are going to do these things. Now, I gave the Fed the benefit of the doubt. I thought that they would be smart enough to know what I knew, and therefore they wouldn't want to raise rates and put themselves in the predicament that they're in right now. But about that, I was wrong, right? They weren't. Uh, They were dumber than I thought, right? I overestimated their intelligence. But I always said, I don't think the Fed is going to raise rates. But if they do, here is what's going to happen. Now, they did raise rates, something that I thought they wouldn't do. I thought it was more likely that they wouldn't raise them. But I I said, hey, it's possible that they will. And if they do, here's what's going to happen. Okay, so they did raise rates. And everything that I said that would happen if they raised rates has happened. That's what I got right. Where I was wrong is in my handicapping. 
right? I thought that it was a lower probability that they would raise rates. Now, of course, by a week or two before the, the meeting, I had actually gone to the point where I thought they were going to raise rates. Based on everything that they were saying and doing in the weeks leading up to the hike, I was convinced then for the first time that a hike was actually coming. So I actually would have been surprised had they not hiked rates. But I still believed that a disaster was around the corner if they did. In fact, if you remember on this podcast, I said that the reason the Fed was raising rates is because they believed the market was blessing the hike. Because in the prior rate hikes, the market was selling off. And right before they hiked rates in December, it actually rallied. And what I said is if the Fed believes that they're getting the green light from the markets to hike rates, that the markets are somehow blessing the rate hike, and if the Fed believes, okay, this is a a pass, we can raise rates and the market won't tank, I said that's a bad bet. Because I said, this is a head fake because the market won't like the rate hike. Even though there are people out there that think that raising rates isn't going to be a problem, it's going to be a problem. And I said, the Fed is going to make a huge mistake from its perspective if it takes this rally as a sign that it's okay, that they can raise rates a little bit and that nothing bad is going to happen, especially if they come out and they talk about how slowly uh, the future glide path is going to be. But then, of course, they even came out and they and they said, we're going to do four more uh, rate hikes, which I think complicated their problem by being so bold as to suggest that kind of trajectory, which I think was much faster than what the people who were buying the stock market in advance of that rate hike were thinking. But just because I said I thought the Fed wouldn't raise rates, but then I went on to describe exactly what would happen if they did, that doesn't mean that I got it wrong. It actually means I understood the consequences of raising rates better than the Fed. Because obviously, if the Fed had today's Wall Street Journal when they raised rates in December, there's no way they would do it. If they knew the stock market would be where it is if they raised rates, they would not raise them. The only reason they raised them is because they were wrong about what they thought the impact would be. Now, obviously, they were worried about the impact for a while. That's why they waited until December. But then they weighed their choice. We don't raise rates and look foolish because we've been saying we were going to do it. Or we do raise rates and just look foolish later when we have to cut them. And they opted for looking foolish later, which is generally what they do. So I'm assuming, right, that they're going to at least give me credit for that. But no, all they want to do is say, but Peter, you said it was impossible that the Fed could raise rates and they raised rates. And so you're completely wrong. You were wrong. And then he says, you said the Fed would do QE4 before they raised rates. Yes, I did, because I thought they wouldn't raise rates. But I also said if they did raise rates, well, then they would still do QE4. They would just do QE4 after they raised rates. But before they did QE4, they would first have to cut rates. So what did I say on CNBC or Futures Now? I said, I don't think the Fed's going to raise rates. I think they're bluffing. I think they want to pretend that they can raise them, but they don't want to actually raise them because that'll prick the bubble. Stocks will tank. The economy will go into recession, and then they'll have to cut rates, and then everybody will realize that their recovery was phony. So if they just keep talking about raising rates and let the market think they're going to raise rates but never actually do it, then they don't have to prick the bubble, and they can keep pretending that it's not a bubble. That was what I said. But I said if they do make the mistake and raise rates and prick the bubble, well, 
you know, then it's going to collapse and then they're going to have to reduce rates and they're going to do QE4. Now, Scott Nations is saying, well, Peter, you're wrong because they haven't done QE4. How could they have done QE4? They raised rates. So now they can't do QE4 until they reverse that, uh, go back to zero, and then do QE4. Now, had they not raised rates, we still would have gone into a recession. I think the stock market still would have rolled over. It just would have happened later. And so they would have gone directly to QE4, right? They wouldn't have passed go. They wouldn't have uh, had to raise rates and lower them back up. Had they left them at zero, they would just, just go straight to QE4. But I thought that that would have made the Fed look less foolish. Remember, I said I would have thought I thought that that would have made them look prescient because if the Fed stayed at zero and then the economy went into recession, they could have said, well, it's a good thing we didn't hike. Yeah, we were a little concerned there. We weren't quite sure the medicine took. And sure enough, we were right. We just need a a bigger dose. Right. They would have looked better. If they raise rates because they say everything is great and then months later they're lowering them because now they found out it wasn't great, it was a complete disaster, that's when they look like fools. And I think they will look like fools, and that was my point. But Scott Nations kept saying, no, Peter, you're wrong because you said they would do QE4 before they raised rates, which is true because I thought they wouldn't raise rates. But I said, well, if they do raise rates, well, then they're going to do QE4 later because first they're going to have to reverse that rate cut but since qe4 hasn't happened yet well scott nations is still saying that i was wrong i mean he's nitpicking the important fact is what i got right not whether or not my assumption that the fed was smart enough to know that if they raised rates uh they would tank the market and prick their own bubble they weren't that smart (laughs) They, they were as dumb as scott nations but here's the other thing that he said i said scott look I said if the Fed raised rates, the market would go down. And it did. And you said the market would go up. And what he said is he said, Peter, there is no connection between the rate hike and what happened in the market. So according to Scott Nations, the Fed raised rates in December. And we've had the worst start to our year in the history of the stock market. And it's a pure coincidence that this collapse in the stock market has absolutely nothing to do with the Fed's decision to raise rates. I mean, can you believe this? And this guy is like a regular on CNBC. That's that's part of his job. They think this guy knows so much that he's on all the time. I mean, how could you believe that it's a coincidence? And here's what he said. He said, well, you know, Peter, it didn't happen right away. The Fed raised rates, and it was like two weeks before the market collapsed. Therefore, the market collapse had nothing to do uh, with the rate hike. I mean, come on. I mean, first of all, again, everybody believed that the rate hike was not going to hurt the market, right? I was the only one out there saying it was going to. Most people who were on CNBC were saying rate hikes are not going to hurt stocks. In fact, for years, the stock market was going up. Everybody knew the Fed would hike rates. The markets that were being discounting a rate hike that were worried was the gold market, which was going down based on rate hikes, and the dollar, which was going up based on future rate hikes. But the stock market was not going down at all based on anybody worried about a rate hike. And there was all kinds of reasons that they were rationalizing. And I I picked apart one by one what those reasons were. And I've talked about on the podcast why all the people who were saying that a rate hike wasn't going to hurt stocks, I went over all the reasons why those people were wrong. But the bottom line is, if most people believed that a rate hike was not bad for the market, and everybody expected, when we went into that December meeting, It was pretty much unanimous. Everybody believed the Fed was going to raise rates and nobody was worried. So if everybody believed that 
a rate hike was not a problem, then why would the market tank the day of the hike? In fact, the market rallied because everybody thought it was a good thing. Everybody had convinced themselves that it was a good thing because, hey, this rate hike shows how confident the Fed is in the economy. Because, you know, if they weren't confident, they wouldn't be raising rates. So this is like a validation of how great the economy is. And if the Fed was worried about the stock market going down, they wouldn't raise rates. So the rate hike was supposed to be a sign from the gods, the monetary gods at the Fed, that everything was great. Because if it wasn't great, these gods wouldn't raise rates, right? That was the psychology. And when I was on that CNBC Futures Now program, and you can watch that interview again. I put it up on my Facebook page the other day just so people could watch that one in advance of this other one. I was on that day, and the stock market was up, and they were all making fun of me. Uh, The host was making fun of me and nations. And they said, Peter, you said if the Fed raised rates, the stock market would tank. Well, guess what? They raised rates, and the stock market went up, so you're wrong right away. And I said, wait a minute. It's been one day. You can't just say that, well, it's been a day and the market hasn't gone down. Therefore, it's not going to go down. I mean, how premature was that? I said, just wait. Give it a little time. The market's going to go down. Now the market goes down. And what do they say? Well, the market going down had absolutely nothing to do with the rate hike. So I'm wrong. The market went down for some other reasons. And I can't claim credit for predicting it because the market going down and the Fed raising rates have absolutely nothing to do with one another, which is nonsense. And what I tried to explain to Scott Nations, who probably never actually traded anything, I said, Scott, you know, have you ever seen a market? And there's usually a knee-jerk reaction, and then there's the actual move. So sometimes news comes out or an event happens, and the market makes a move in one direction. But then it makes a much larger move in the opposite direction. This happens all the time in markets, right? You have a knee-jerk reaction one way and then the major move in the opposite direction. And it happens because of buy the rumor, sell the fact. It happens because markets maybe run stops. Uh, They try to, you know, catch some people off guard. Uh, You know, I compared it on the interview to like a running back, right? Juking left and then running right. You want to fake out the defense. So sometimes there's head fakes in the market. They go one way, clear out the stops, then they go the other way. So I said, look, just because the initial knee-jerk reaction was, hey, the Fed raised rates, everything is fine, didn't mean that that was the real move. Because after people thought about it for a while, they realized how bad it was. And of course, once the market started to fall, and this is an important part, because I said this many times, I said, the problem is everybody always had a put from the Fed. What gave people confidence to buy the dips was the Fed. The Fed was there to catch you. They wouldn't let anybody get hurt. If the market went down, they would come back with more liquidity. A rate cut, another QE program, right? That was what was going to backstop the market. But I said, if the Fed raises rates and signals that its next move is another tightening, how can it stop the market? It means the puts expired. It means you're up there on a high wire and you don't have a net. So who wants to be on that wire when there's no net? So I said, if the market starts to fall and the Fed is tightening, there's no bottom. It'll keep falling. And that's exactly what's happened. And Scott Nations, or the host of that show, can't even accept that fact. They still want to pretend. In fact, Scott started talking about all the great trades that he's been he's been telling people on CNBC. I've been saying, sell the rallies uh, in stocks, sell the rallies in crude. Well, I wonder if he's actually done it. But one of the worst parts probably about the interview was when he started making it personal. First, he started you know, yelling at me because he said, hey, Peter, 
when you were on the show back in December, we asked you for some recommendations and you didn't give us any. You know, we wanted some actual recommendations and you didn't give us any. So therefore you're worthless or you're useless. Well, first of all, I did make a recommendation. I said, buy gold. And it was at 1050. And, you know, it hit 1,200. So that was good. They asked me, yes, I said, buy gold. But no, I didn't give them any individual stock recommendations because I don't do that on television uh, because of uh, FINRA regulations. I don't make recommendations of individual stocks if I don't know the person who is hearing that recommendation. I want to make sure that it's suitable. I don't want to get in trouble with the regulators for just spouting out uh, stock recommendations. And so that's why I don't do it. And they know that. But they're somehow trying to use that against me as if I don't have any recommendations. I do. I just don't give them out on uh, on the Internet or on uh, television. We give them out privately to people so we can make sure it's done in a way that the regulators will not jump on me for. But I did say buy gold because gold is not a regulated investment. It's not an individual stock. And so that worked out. But then this is what Scott said. He go, well, Peter. Yeah, you told people to buy gold, but the only reason you tell people to buy gold is because you sell it. He's like, you know, he's got a company that sells gold, and so therefore, you know, he keeps telling people to buy gold because that's what he's selling. Now, what he's basically doing is he's calling me a liar. He's calling me a fraudster, a charlatan. He's like, look, you're just trying to scam the public. You're just trying to unload gold on people, right? You're a gold salesman, so of course you're going to talk about how great gold is and why gold's going to go up because you want to sell gold. Now, First of all, I wonder if Scott Nations ever says the same thing when he's on CNBC with somebody who works for a brokerage firm and they recommend a stock. Does he say, well, you're just recommending a stock because you're a stockbroker. You work for a brokerage firm and your firm sells stocks. So why are you recommending a stock? Because you're just trying to help your firm unload stocks, right? It's the same thing. But of course, I also work for a brokerage firm, so I could recommend stocks or not individual stocks. I could, because I don't want to do that. I could tell people to buy the stock market. I can tell people to buy gold. But he is basically insulting my integrity and telling me, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, sell gold. And I don't necessarily believe anything that I'm saying. I may think gold's going to go down, but I'm just telling people to buy it. No. I mean, of course, why do I sell gold? It's because I think it's going to go up. I started my gold company, Shift Gold, uh, you know, what is it, three, four years ago. Why did I do it? Right? I did it because I thought people should own physical gold. And so I went into the business. If I didn't believe that people should buy gold, I never would have started Shift Gold. And in fact, what really motivated me to start it, because I, I was selling uh, gold and silver through the Perth Mints. I still do at my brokerage firm. And I started doing that in 2002. When gold was around 300, 350. Why did I do that? Because I thought my brokerage firm clients should own some physical gold. So I started selling it. It wasn't like I had a bunch of gold I needed to unload. And so I had to start recommending it because I needed to get rid of it. You know, in general, I made less money selling gold to my clients than I made selling them stocks. So when I told my clients to buy gold instead of stocks, it actually cost me money because I made bigger commissions and fees when they bought stocks than when they bought gold. But I wanted people to buy gold because I thought it was the right thing to do. Yet Scott Nations doesn't want to give me credit for that. He wants to pretend like, you know, there's this gold company that, that, that hired me. And so now I got to go sell this stuff. I don't even believe it. Right. And I, I, and, but but I, that's where I work. The other reason that I started my physical gold company is because I got all these horror stories from people 
who were going to buy physical gold, not the gold that I was storing in the Perth Mint, but they were buying gold coins and bars, and they were getting ripped off. They were getting talked into buying these phony numismatics, these rare coins, proof sets, all kinds of nonsense. They were paying 30, 40, 50, 60%, 100% over spot. They were getting ripped off. And so I went, I went and started this other company so that people could buy gold from me and not get ripped off. So that I didn't just tell people, yeah, go buy gold, you know, find a dealer and just let people be victimized by some unscrupulous dealers. And of course, not all of them are. There are other good dealers out there. But my concern was that people would fall victim. And, you know, some of the gold firms that rip people off the most are the ones that are advertising on on financial television, on talk radio. And so these are the guys out there that a lot of my clients were calling because they would watch Fox News or they would listen to a Glenn Beck or one of these programs and they would see the commercial or hear the commercial and they would call one of these firms and get ripped off. So I set up my own company. So I knew I had a place to refer people to that they wanted to buy gold where I knew for sure they wouldn't get ripped off because I wouldn't do it. So we don't sell the numismatics. We sell our gold at a very low markup over spot. But according to Scott Nations, I'm just a promoter. And I'm just on CNBC to promote gold, forgetting about the fact that I also own a brokerage firm. I also own an asset management company, and I make money there. So if I, if I thought gold was a bad idea, I would just tell people not to buy it. I got plenty of other services that I can sell people that I make more money on. Gold is a low-margin business the way I do it. I mean, our, mar- our margins are very thin. I have much lower margins selling gold than I have in the brokerage industry or money management industry. So for him to come on and say, hey, the only reason you're telling people to to buy gold is because you're selling it. You know, it's funny, too. Some people actually have accused me of trying to get people to buy gold because I want them to buy mine. Right. They know that I'm selling gold. And so they think that I'm selling it like, you know, I'm a used car salesman and I got a used car on my lot and I want to get rid of it. So I got to tell the buyer how great it is because He's, he's taking it off my hands. When I sell somebody gold, I'm not selling my personal gold. I don't have a big stack of gold that I'm selling. I mean, I own some gold personally, and none of that gold is for sale. I haven't sold any of my gold. The gold that I started buying in the 90s, I still have it all. I haven't sold an ounce. Right? I just keep buying it. The gold that I sell through my gold company is gold that I buy to sell. I am a retailer, and I buy wholesale. So I buy a maple leaf from a wholesaler, and I turn around and sell it to my customer retail. I only and I only go and buy it if I have an order. I don't even have any inventory. So I'm never trying to unload inventory because I don't have any inventory. I'm just giving people advice. I think people should own gold, and I'm helping them buy it and not overpay. But Scott Nations thinks nobody should own gold. And all he wants to do is say, well, Peter, you told people to buy gold at 1700 and look, it's at 1200 Yes, yes. Nothing goes up in a straight line. And when I told people to buy it at 1700 I never promised them that it couldn't go down. And I didn't tell them to mortgage their house and put all their money into gold. I said, buy some gold. And if it goes down and you're going to buy more, then you'll get a better price. I mean, that's what I tell people. Five to 10% in physical gold. And as you get more money, buy more gold, right? As your stock portfolio goes up, well, then sell a little bit and buy more gold, right? As you get more assets, if you have 5 to 10% of your assets in gold and your assets double, well, then you need to buy more gold. And if you bought some gold at 1700 the fact that now you can buy more gold at 1200 that's better for you, right? The more gold you have when the music stops, when the dollar collapses, the better. And again, Scott Nations brought up again, but Peter, you said gold was going to 5000 and it's not there, so you're wrong. Well, I didn't say when it was going to go to 5000 
They always ask you when you go on the show, how high can it go? Like even in this interview, the interviewer is asking me, Peter, where's gold going to go in 2016? As if I know, how am I supposed to know? But the reason they want to ask me is they're hoping that I'll answer. And then when it's not there, they can say that I'm wrong, right? Oh, Peter said gold would go to $1,543.25. And he was wrong. Look, it's a buck. It, it, went, it, it, it missed it by a dollar. He was totally wrong, right? I mean, not that I would even get it that close. But the point is they want to pin me down to some kind of number so that, so that I can get it wrong. Because how am I going to get it right, right? It's impossible. Where is gold going to be in a year? I mean, if I knew for sure where it was going to be, why would I tell anybody, right? I mean, I, I would buy all the options on the exact dates. I mean, theoretically, and if I knew where gold was going to be in a year, then I'd probably know where everything is going to be in a year. And I, I, I'd be a zillionaire, right? Because I'd have some kind of clairvoyance or I could go into the future. I maybe had a time machine or something. And if I did have a time machine, you think I'd waste my time going on their internet program? But even for them to ask me such a dumb question, because they have to know that I don't know, Right, but they're trying to make me look foolish. All I can say, look, I think the price is going higher. I don't know how much higher, but I think it's going higher. And eventually, yes, I think it's going to 5,000. In fact, I actually think it's going higher than 5,000, but it's a moving target. You never really know because it's really a measure of the dollar's value. And the dollar has no real value. There's no limit to how low the dollar can go. I mean, it can become worthless, in which case the price of gold is infinite when measured in a worthless currency. Now, I don't think the dollar will become completely worthless. I mean, intrinsically, it's worthless, but I think it will have some market value. I don't think it is going to become, you know, a confetti. I don't think it's going to go the way of the Zimbabwe dollar, where the price of gold was infinite at one point in Zimbabwe dollars. Uh, but I do think it's going a lot higher. But their point in asking me the question is to try to make me look foolish or pin me down so they can make fun of me. But they don't even realize anyone with any intellect can see that it's a stupid question and there's no way to give it an answer. But they try to they try to press me and try to get me to answer a question that nobody can answer. And if you answer it, then you're almost more foolish for them to ask me, where's the price going to go in a year? for me to be so presumptive as to assume that I know and actually give them a precise dollar level where I think it's going to go in 2016. And, you know, you don't have to know how high the price of gold is going to go. If you think it's going to go up, then you buy it. And it doesn't matter how much it goes up. I mean, and I'm not telling people to buy gold now to sell it later in the year. I'm telling people to buy gold to hold it. But the bottom line is these guys on CNBC.com go out of their way to discredit me, to try to humiliate me, to try to make fun of me, to try to call me out when they think I've got something wrong. But when it's obvious I got something right, they don't even have the decency to really admit it. Oh, Peter Schiff claims he got it right, right? Not Peter Schiff got it right. Peter Schiff thinks he got it right. But of course, we all know he got it wrong because he got everything wrong. Because according to Scott Nations, I got one thing right many, many years ago, and maybe I didn't even get that right. And then I made a thousand other predictions and not a single one of them would come true. And of course, according to uh, Scott Nations, anybody who's followed my advice has lost all of their money, not just some of their money, all of it, 100%. Anybody who's ever followed my advice has lost all their money. These are the, these are the on-air accusations that he makes. People who follow my advice have lost all their money and they're completely broke. And the only reason I recommend gold is because I'm selling it. Right? Now, maybe the reason that guys like Scott Nation feel that they have to attack me and attack my person is because they really can't deal with what I'm saying. 
They can't deal with the accuracy of what I'm saying. They don't like what I say. And so they want to kill the messenger, right? I'm the messenger and I'm delivering some news that they don't want to deal with. They don't want to admit. And of course, the last thing they want is for me to have credibility. So they don't want to acknowledge when I get things right because they don't want to give me credibility. But what they end up doing is losing any credibility they have by failing to recognize it. And I think their audience can see it. And I think the only reason they have me on is because they know that it's going to boost their online ratings. And probably they get to do some advertising. See, there people know you can measure the clicks uh, on a particular show. You can see people tuning in. And that probably helps them get advertisers for CNBC.com. You know, the Nielsen ratings are probably higher to harder to figure. And so even if I can give them a little bit of a boost in their Nielsen ratings by being on once in a while, it probably doesn't have as direct an impact on, you know, the effect that they can get on their ad dollars for their website. So that's probably the reason they have me on. So for them, they're the hypocrites. They're the ones they're putting somebody on where they don't even believe what I'm saying. Right. They think I'm leading people astray, but they don't care because they're in it for the money.